Isaiah chapter 43, I'm reading verse number 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I feel that I am to magnify one of God's precious promises tonight. And this one is precious indeed to me. When I have gone through deep waters and difficult circumstances, this verse has become a, a staff, something to lean on in the hard places. I know that this is a promise for Christians because in verse number one, the Lord said, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. Redeemed, called, and claimed. This is who God is talking to. Of course, even in the verses following, verse number four, he says, Thou wast precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable. Here it is. And I have loved thee. So this is a promise for God's redeemed ones. Those he has called by his spirit. Those he has claimed as his very own. Those who are precious in his sight. Those who are the objects of his love. In years gone by, both in England and in America, Christians were known basically to be people of two books. First, they loved the Bible, and it had a foremost place in their lives. The other book was Pilgrim's Progress, written that renowned uh, allegory written by John Bunyan. In Pilgrim's Progress, Bunyan takes one from before belief or saving faith and follows that person all the way until they reach the celestial city. And he calls that individual Pilgrim and or Christian. And uh, we are Pilgrim. And it's coming to my heart to refer to this promise as a promise for our pilgrim journey. Now, we are referred to in the Bible under various headings. We're called sheep, over which the Lord Jesus is our shepherd. And uh, that for many reasons. One reason we're called sheep is the prophet said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one unto his own way. 
Because another reason we are referred to as sheep is because we cannot care for ourselves and we need the shepherd's caretaking and uh, his provisions. We're not only called sheep in the Bible, but we're called sons. That's a, it's just a miracle, isn't it? The likes of you and me can be called the sons of God. Beloved, John wrote, now are we the sons of God. Right now. And uh, what a privilege to be numbered among the children of God, the family of God. Of course, when it comes to uh, our enemy, we're referred to as soldiers. And we are to fight the good fight of faith. We, we can't do that in our own energy, in our own ability. We're to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, every time I quote that verse, I think of something I heard years ago. The fellow was reading that verse in Sunday school and he had never seen the word wiles before. And he read it, stand against the willies of the devil. Well, I'm sure the devil has some willies and some Johns and some Toms and a lot of others. But we're to stand against the wiles, the deceptive strategies of the enemy. But here and in many other verses of the scriptures, we are likened unto those on a journey. We're pilgrims, strangers in this world. I like to make a distinction. You know, in our day we have street people. Those are people without a home. They have no home. And yet the Bible calls us strangers. Strangers are people away from home. And yet the Bible goes further and calls us pilgrims. Pilgrims are those on their way home. And uh, that's my emphasis tonight. As we make our journey home, here is a promise. Here is a staff to lean on in the journey. I'd like to say three things, God enabling me from the text. I want to mention firstly the crucibles of our pilgrim journey. Before the promise is even given, we have the picture as God sees it. And he gives us two particular crucibles or conflicts that we face. He refers firstly to the crucible of the flood. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Then he also speaks of the crucible of the fire. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. 
from God's point of view, he says there are some conflicts, there are some difficulties that you must endure on your pilgrimage. There is the crucible of the flood. And it seems to me that as he deals with the crucible of the flood, there is a progression of thought. First of all, he says, when thou passest through the waters. Now, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? Waters. Kick around in that. Slosh around in water. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. But notice the next phrase. It picks up a current. It picks up a flow. And through the river. My dad uh, taught me to dog paddle. I'm, I've never been uh, a very good uh, water dog. I, I, I just sort of got along for years before I ever learned to take a stroke or two with my arms. But uh, I could get around in the pond, okay? We would go swimming. There near home, and I could get back to the shore, and I had a good time. But I'll never forget the first time I went with some friends to the river, and the current pulled on me. The, that that was that struggle with the movement of the water. Here, the Lord says, "You'll go through waters, but more than that." You'll go through rivers. Life will bring a struggle. There there will be a a current against you. A current that pulls you. You'll find yourself struggling at some points in life. With the currents. With the force of the tribe. Then he goes a step farther. And he, even though he promises they shall not overflow thee. There is the suggestion that these waters can get to overflowing proportions. First, they are just merely called waters. Then they are referred to as rivers. And then the third picture is an overflowing torrent. It is a tsunami of sorts. It's something that is beyond your ability to control. You can't uh, overcome it. But God said it will not overflow thee. So we're firstly confronted with the crucible of the flood. Somebody said, well, I tell you, I'm glad I don't have to deal with things like that. I'm saved and I'm happy and, and boy, I'm going to rejoice all the way to heaven. Well, I exhort you, I encourage you to keep that mindset, but I promise you there will be some waters to cross over and there will be some rivers that you'll have to fight and there will be overflowing torrents that you must contend with. Then the Lord says not only is there the crucible of the flood, but there is the crucible of the fire. He said, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, 
neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Uh, the word picture here moves from one sphere to another. It's no longer floodwaters that you're up against, but it's a different scene where the circumstances are very hot. Uh, they they seem as though they will consume you, and, and you feel like uh, this is too uh, this is too extreme. This is too severe. The crucible of the fire. Uh, I have this little phrase on my heart now for days. Some through the water, some through the fire, uh, some. Uh, help me out. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Of course, we like that all through the blood part, but there are times when we go through the fire. Simon Peter said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange or foreign thing has happened unto you. As pilgrims on our journey, we can expect the crucible of the flood. We can expect the crucible of the fire. Sometimes the fire will just radiate heat. But on other occasions, the flame seems to be uh, dangerous and, and devouring, destructive in its nature. J.A. Alexander points out in his commentary on Isaiah, Fire and water are common figures for calamity and danger. Here the Lord says, my people will have to pass through calamity. My people will have to face dangers. My people will have to go through crucibles. And you'll notice it isn't if you pass through the waters or if you walk through the fire. But it is when, when thou passest through the waters. And when thou walkest through the fire, they will come. You don't even have to vote on it. They will come. They will pursue. They will be confronted. There's another truth I'd like to underline as we come towards the heart of this promise. Not only does the text confront us with the crucibles of our pilgrim journey. But it confronts us with the consolations of our pilgrim journey. I'd like to begin with that first one. When thou passest through the waters, here's the consolation. I will be with thee. I will be with thee. Thee. We have the consolation of his accompanying presence. Now, let me keep before us that this is not Isaiah speaking. This is the Lord, verse 1, that created thee, O Jacob. This is he that 
formed thee, O Israel. This is the Lord who said, I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. And when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Your creator, your maker, your redeemer, the one who has called you, the one who possesses you. He said, I will be with thee. This may relate more to some of you who are familiar with driving a truck more than the rest of us, but I, when I got this text on my mind recently, I was trying to set up my library where I can go to the very sermons that I have by other authors on that text. And uh, I noticed that Joseph Irons had a sermon on this text. Joseph Irons was a Spurgeon-type preacher a hundred years before Spurgeon. And he wrote songs during uh, the time frame uh, of Isaac Watts. He was, uh, uh, Joseph Irons was a great hymn writer. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of his hymns that have been brought into our hymnal as we have a few of Isaac Watts' hymns. But uh, here was Irons' title for his sermon from this text. He called this the Divine Convoy. Of course, the truckers, you know, they'll get together. And I'm an authority on this because being on the roads constantly as I am, son, if one pulls out, expect all of them to pull out. They're in a convoy. And they're going to stay together till they get to Atlanta or wherever. And uh, here Joseph Irons suggests that this is the divine convoy. God is leading his people on their journey. And they're passing through the waters. And God is with them. God is near them. His accompanying presence is their consolation as they journey. I must confess to you, as a boy... Though my dad was not a man of great stature. In fact, he came here with me a couple of years ago one night. Uh, my dad has never been a man of big stature. He's a small built man. But he's always been a man's man and a leader. And somebody who would take charge. And uh, uh, as a boy, though my dad was not built like some a bodybuilder. When I was around him, I felt safe because his presence was a presence of authority and, and force. Here the Lord says, the world may not think that I'm much, but I'm everything you need when you're passing through the waters. I will be with thee you may have to face a, a wave or two that knocks you back. But you just look around and you'll see that I'm near at hand. I'm nearby. Paul said to the saints at Philippi, who had had a little skirmish in their church. It involved two ladies. 
Euodius and Syntyche. I don't know what they were fussing about. Who knows? It may have been a hairdo. Or uh, it may have been, uh, you know, one being the Sunday school teacher and one being the assistant. It may have been over potato salad uh, at the church uh, outing. I don't know. I've lived with with the th- uh, four women in my lifetime, my wife and our three daughters. And who knows what it may be about. <laughs> my wife's not here so I can say this. I heard a fellow say, he said uh, when I married my wife, he said I married Miss Wright. He said I just didn't know her first name was Always. Always right. Uh, I noticed you women didn't even laugh, but uh, uh, I say uh, that uh, there there are times when uh, folks get out of hand, as did the ladies in the church at Philippi. But Paul said, the Lord is at hand. There's nothing that's going on in that church that he's not close enough to work in. He's not near enough to minister to. And so here the Lord says, I will be with you. I know that's not enough for some of our weak faith. Angela, our middle daughter, uh, has always been an unusual child. To say the least. And when she was little, let's say four years of age, she went through this thing where she felt so insecure at night. You parents know what it's like to be laying there. You're almost asleep. You may even be asleep. And then you feel or you sense this presence. And you open your eyes and you're scared more than they are. They're almost breathing on you. I said to her one night, I said, will you please go get in the bed? Daddy, I'm afraid. I took her down the hall, took her in her room. I said, what are you afraid of? Daddy, mama right here, your sister's right. She said, daddy, I want somebody in here with me. Well, in my preacherly way, I said to you, honey, the Lord's in here with you. She said, but I want somebody in here I can see. She couldn't see him. Well, there are times when our weak faith cannot perceive his closeness. We seem in our hearts to be a thousand miles away from him. But he said, I will be with thee. What a consolation. Notice furthermore, we not only have the consolation of his accompanying presence. In this divine convoy. But we have the promise. The consolation of his assuring protection. He said when you pass through the rivers. They shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire. Thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame. Kindle upon. The Lord says, I'm going 
to be not only your accompaniment through this, but I am going to be your protector. I am going to look after you. I am going to take care of you. Every time I think of this text, especially the, the fire aspect, I think of the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. You, you remember it was not the normal situation. When the three Hebrew boys were cast into the fiery furnace, the prophecy of Daniel tells us that they had turned up the furnace seven times hotter than normal. And so hot was the fire. That the men who cast the Hebrew children into the furnace, they were consumed by the fire. The three Hebrew children survived the fire. In fact, that heathen king said, Did we not put, did we not cast three men into that fire? Yes, O king. Well, he said, There's four down there walking around. And the fourth one is like the Son of God. How did he know what the Son of God looked like? Ah, Jesus is so wonderful when his presence is revealed. Even the heathen realize that it's not the norm. It's not the ordinary. They turned the heat off. The fire was quenched and they brought the fellows out of the fire. <laughs> the Bible says there was not even the smell of smoke on them. I'm not going to get bogged down here. But have you ever felt like when you were going through the trial that people were looking at you? And they were saying, uh, she's not made out of what I thought she was after all. Or I never thought that he would break under that. I never thought that that would knock him back. You feel like they're watching you. But after you've come through the fire, people can't even tell you've been in the fire. There's not even the smell of smoke. In fact, some of us here tonight, if we told some of the fiery furnaces that we've been through, it would shock some people. I had a man speak to me today at uh, the lunch table. And he was going through some difficulties. I, I don't tell my woes very often, but I was prompted by God to, to share with him some of the things that I've faced in life and some of the battles that I have confronted. And he looked at me as if he couldn't believe that somebody else, a preacher, in fact, had faced something like that. I want to tell you, when God brings you out of the fire, great is the deliverance. The smell of smoke was not even on. Besides that, the only evidence that they had been in the fire is that it had burned their bands off of them. That that had tied them. That that had bound them was now released. They were freer than they'd ever been. Coming through the fire. Somebody said, oh, I don't know what the Lord's doing sending me through this fire. He's going to liberate you. 
He's going to burn off some of the vines. And when it's over, people may not see all you've gone through, but you'll know that God has set you free. He said, I'll protect you when thou walkest through the fire. Thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He said, I'm not going to let the fire make kindling out of my people. It'll not kindle upon me. I'd like to magnify one further truth from this great promise tonight. Not only are we made aware of the crucibles of our pilgrim journey, there will be floodwaters to face, and there will be fiery trials to endure. But there are consolations of our pilgrim journey. Secondly, God has promised to be with us, and he has promised to protect us, and to oversee every trial that we go through. Did you notice lastly, this text also speaks thirdly of the completion, or if you prefer, the conclusion of our pilgrimage journey. Oh, I love this truth. Would you notice firstly, he looks at our troubles as only being temporal circumstances. When thou passest through the waters. I will be with thee. And through the rivers. They shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire. Thou shalt not be burned. He didn't say when you pass in to the waters. But when you pass through. Song that I used to hear as a boy, only two lines have come to me today as I've traveled in. I'm going through, yes, I'm going through, and we are. This journey is not going to be terminated in the trials. I said, Well, I don't think I'm going to make it over this stream. I'm fearful that the waters are going to blow me out. They're going to wash me away. I'm going down the river. No. You're going to pass on through. And the fire will not burn you. But you're going through it. You're moving on through it. <laughs> the idea is you're going to get beyond it. Oh, I like Preaching through the book of Job, which has been a source of strength for me in dark hours. By the way, when you feel like saying, what else can happen? What else can come? Read the book of Job, you can add to your list. Uh, the last chapter of the book of Job, after Job has gone through various forms of adversity. The Bible says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. He prayed for that bunch that had said things about him that were not so. And God turned his captivity 
<laughs> it's as though God, the horses of God's purpose, have been pulling right along, going a certain way, and then God said, Whoa! Whip the, uh, the, the reins, and they turn around and go the other way. You think that your trial will never end, but it will! You'll pass through the waters and through the rivers and through the fire. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There are only temporal circumstances. Only temporal circumstances. You know, I was born and raised and lived in a railroad town. Unfortunately, we don't have any trains coming up and down the mountain now, but I, all my life I've been around those trains. And Saluda was not, Saluda was not the final terminal. It was only a stopover. Once they got up the mountain, then they would check that all, make sure all the cars had not shaken loose or anything was broken in the pool. The mountain there's called that track. Part of the track is called the steepest grade in the southeast. And uh, then, before they would go down the mountain towards Spartanburg and on to Columbia, they would check their brakes and make sure everything's ready to go down that mountain. They did stop in Saluda, but it was only temporary. As they made their way to the ultimate terminal. Ah, beloved, we make it sort of slowed down at times. In trials and in conflicts. But hallelujah, that's not the terminal. That's just a little pause in route to the terminal. We're headed for a city whose builder and maker is God. Let me say lastly. We not only learn that there will be a completion of our pilgrim journey because our trials are only temporal circumstances. But secondly, we see in our triumph, in our trials, the triumphant consequences. Here the Lord said, you're not going to be swept away and you're not going to be made ashes. But you have a future. You have a tomorrow. You'll not be burned. You'll not be consumed. Your trial will be a triumph. Your difficulty will be a deliverance. Your conflict will be a conquest. Hallelujah. He is able to deliver thee. I read about Miserius Booth taking over the Salvation Army after William Booth's death. He was a great leader. The Salvation Army reached out to the rough sides of towns in England in their early days, and many souls were saved through that ministry. Mrs. Booth tried to lead the Salvation Army, and then she became weak and sick, 
And as she lay dying, she said to someone nearby, Would you write this down? I'd like to leave a message to all our friends. They know that I'm sick. They know that I'm looking at my last hours. Write this message down and tell them all. Here was the message she said. The waters are rising, but so am I. I am not going under, but over. Uh, Is that not our story tonight? There may be assaults. There may be adversities, there may be conflicts and tumults and storms and fires. But hallelujah, God's going to use it to take us higher and take us over. I thought today, if God could take the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground, And later could take them through the Jordan River on dry ground. He'll not have any trouble taking you and me through the floods and through the fires. He's our Redeemer. He loves us. We're precious in His sight. And He gives this promise for our pilgrim journey. Would you stand with me please?